Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Good morning. <laughs> Woo! We are here today. Now, this is the school teacher in me, so hang in there, okay? Do you see your bulletin? You see your bulletin? School is skating around. Is there some food next week for back to school day? Okay. You'll notice the scriptures in here, and we're going to put them on slides. Did I do that? Okay. Oh, thank And you correct me every single time, Bob, that I go off page. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I've got the scripture verses and the references for you. We're going to cover all of these today. Paul just read two of the passages, Matthew, you'll see it up there, and 2 Peter chapter 1. But I want you to be able to fill this in, take little notes, and then take some time at home and just to reflect on the scripture, okay? And I just, I want to encourage you in there. Don't have to do it, won't have to check you off next week or anything, but I think it's important for us to get an idea what the Word of God is having to say, and then jot down some thoughts on that. As we meditate on Scripture, then we become kind of a receptor. We start hearing God's voice speak through the Bible. Now, some of you know, maybe some of you don't know, that Tommy and I graduated from the same seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary. In 1985, I was attending during the summers, and I attended 86, 87, and 88 during the summers. Two weeks ago, when Tommy talked about a certain professor, Dr. Blazing, he was my very, very first, first professor. He didn't laugh. He was as dry as dry could be. And I think Tommy mentioned the fact that a student asked a question, and then in Dallas, Texas, it thundered and lightning hit, or the other way around. But it shook the building. And Dr. Blazing said, okay, <laughs> go ahead and answer that one. Well, Dr. Blazing, as we take a look at just the history of his life, he was 35 years of age the day I was attending seminary at 35. He had no children at the time, and we were pregnant with our fifth. What were you doing in Dallas, Texas? And I was asking that question, okay? Someone had given me some money to go to school. I sensed that I needed to get some training. I told my wife, not on your life, until lots of money comes in and lots of money came in for us to airfare down and back and go to school. Back then, $240 a credit hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was pretty expensive. And so I'm down there in Dallas, and Dr. Blazing shares with us his story. He worked for NASA, making a six-figure income. He had it made until he confronted God, and God confronted him. What are you doing with your talents? Dr. Blazing had a talent that was beyond me and beyond maybe majority of us here. He only had to read a book one time. And when I heard that with my C minus on my first test, I'm at a graduate level study. C minus is not a good grade. It reminded me of the D's for draft going to Vietnam when I was in college. So I went to Dr. Blazing, I said, Dr. Blazing, how do you, your tests, they're not regurgitated tests, they're synthetic, I want you to build. And I was talking, Tommy, to your wife before she left, and she got an A in the class, Tommy. And the majority of our guys in our class, she was one of few females attending. We got a C minus as an average. I said, Dr. Blazing, you said something that I can't believe. And his office was in the old part of the Dallas Seminary. I said, you've read every book here? Yeah, Oscar, just one. I said, no way, are you kidding me? Oscar, pull any book that you want off the shelf. I did, reached really high, thinking maybe he didn't know that book. <laughs> Pulled it down, he says, give me the title and the page number. And he quoted it, people. 
word for word. I about passed out. I said, you really can do that. He said, that's why I changed career. I want to help students know the word of God. My responsibility for this 45 minute slot of time is to help you understand the Bible. It's the written word of God. We have it right in front of us, people. It is so important to get into it and to know it. My responsibility is not to convert anyone, but just to share the truth. I don't know why you picked the one song about being brave and about being out in the waves. Well, yesterday I picked a song for us to listen to by Casting Crowns and see if you can catch the two as we listen to it. Turn around. Listen to the song. I'm out of this boat again Under the crashing waves To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand But the waves are calling out my name And they laugh at me Reminding me of all the times Tried before and failed Way they keep on telling me time and time again, boy, you never win. You never win. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, Do not be afraid. And the voice of truth.
voice of truth. Lots of voices today, aren't there, out in our culture? Are we listening to the voice of truth? Lots of voices. Lots of voices. If you think this, you can be this. If you're going to be this, then you can change this. Is there anything that we can go to that will give us true north? Remember last time I spoke, I shared with you some videos of me jumping out of an airplane at 15,000 feet. We were looking down, and some of you came to me afterwards and said, why would you jump out of a good airplane? Well, my son Michael knows that I have a fear of heights. 15,000 feet is just a little high, but I get on a rooftop sometimes and I get kind of really weird out, you know? So he sees me hanging on to a pitch about like this with my dear life. So he goes, Dad, we got to work on you. So at 15,000 feet, um, we went out. And this was the verse of Scripture, and it's your first verse there, 2 Timothy 1 7. says, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. God hasn't given us that. But look what God has given us. This is the voice of truth, his word. A spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of sound mind. And that sound mind can be actually translated self-discipline, self-control, but sound mind. This is what God has given us. This is his word. Power love and a sound mind. Okay, let's see here. Here's the picture of a lady that's skydiving. She's got a smile on her face and she's sitting actually in tandem. She does not have a parachute, but the person she's connected to does have a parachute and is trained. Just like Derek, when I went out the door and just before I went out Derek said for the third time Oscar we are hooked together in five places do you feel it you know he would pull the thing and the go you can take a look at the straps there and then he says I want to ask you one question and that is do you want to skydive today he said Oscar if you say no I will respect your free will, and we'll just sit back and we'll ride the plane down. But if you say yes, Oscar, you are going to straddle your feet out that little door, and you're going to dangle them at 15,000 feet. And then you're going to smile, arch back, and out we go. Traveling at 120 miles an hour, we dropped 9,000 feet until then the parachute opened up and we just landed right down. What was I doing the entire time? I know some of you are gonna say, you were praying all the way, I know you were. And I was, people, but I was going over that verse. 2 Timothy 1.7. God, you've not given me a spirit of fear, but you've given me a spirit of love, power, and soundness of mind. This is the written word of God, people. I, sorry I get emotional about it, but it's black and white here for us. It's black and white. This is what God has given us. Moving on, I want to encourage you to trust Jesus. If you are a Christian, you have all of God in you. The title to today's message, Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. The almighty God of the universe the third person of the Trinity is where? In you, if you've trusted Jesus. If you haven't trusted Jesus, okay? You need to trust Jesus to experience the Holy Spirit's ministry from the inside out. Let's take a look at what Christ has done for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, God, hath made him Jesus to be sin for us. Did you hear that? Sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ 
has done it for us. He knew no sin, but became sin for us. Meditate on that and think about that. Next, sons of God. How do we become a son or a daughter of God? John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the what? Power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This is the authority of scripture. Do you remember the story in the book of Luke, the two thieves on either side of Jesus? One of them mocked Jesus. Jesus didn't respond to the mocker. The other thief said, hey, bud, we're getting what we deserve. We deserve to be on this cross. And then he turned to Jesus. Do you remember the words he said to him? Jesus, remember me when you come back in your kingdom. Jesus turned to him and said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That thief missed communion. That thief missed going to Horizon Christian. That thief didn't go to Sunday school or Shepherd of the Valley. That thief missed a whole line of scripture verses. But what did he do? He trusted and believed Jesus, people. Trusted and believed Jesus. And Jesus says, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. <laughs> Amen to that. Next slide. Acts 4.12. Buildings don't save. Jesus does. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus saves. This is a beautiful facility, but it doesn't save anyone. Churches that are ornate and beautiful show the beauty of design, but they don't save anyone. Only Jesus saves. Religion says, do. Jesus says, done. Religion can be legalism, got to do this, got to do this, can't do this, got to do this, got to do this, can't play pool, can't do this, all different kinds of things. Jesus says, done. Trust me. Trust me. Paul, you read this passage. Thank you so much for reading 2 Peter. This slide kind of breaks down what Paul read. Okay, How do we grow? Well, we grow daily. And we add to our faith. Notice the person is stepping up. Add to your faith virtue, which is right and wrong. Then add knowledge. Add to your book. What does the book have to say? Add to the issue of self-control. Is the self-control a fruit of the Spirit, people? It is a fruit of His Spirit. Perseverance, enduring temptation and tough times. Godliness, we actually, the word is piety there. Brotherly kindness is where we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly kindness, and then agape love. You and I, if we're Christians, we need to be producing and being a part of this in our own growth life, okay? How does this take place? Can we say it again? What do we have to do as believers? We need to trust Jesus. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Trust Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? According to Dallas Willard in one of his books, there are over 30,000 different denominations on our planet. Did you know that? There are over 30,000. And they have one common thread. They are all right. 
We have churches in our valley, people, that if you don't get baptized in that church, you go to hell. In our valley. Okay? I think it's important. This is why this book, not the idioms of mankind and what a man thinks, what does this book actually say? And we need to abide in this true north for us. The next, what does God want us to do? If you want to put in a note to 2 Peter 3.18, you, you have to say the word grow. He wants you and I to grow. 2 Peter, what's Peter famous for? Anybody? Hmm? Walking on the water. Did you see the, our two songs together? <laughs> I couldn't believe that. How'd you know? You were reading my mind. That was great. The two songs hooked in together. The waves are laughing at me. God says, I want you to step out. Peter. Peter also is known for denying Jesus three times. Anybody ever failed? Anybody besides me? At life, at times, hey, yeah, we're there. But look what Peter tells the last verse in this tremendous epistle. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Peter is saying, grow, grow. Well, let's take a look at it. The Apostle Paul tells us how growth happens and begins. In Philippians 1, verse 6, you'll see this on your sheet there. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Basically, this is what it's saying. God will finish what he starts in you and in me. God is faithful. We are not faithful. He is the faithful one. And if he says he's going to complete it, what is God going to do? Anybody? He's going to complete it. God sticks to his book. This is his word. Inspired by God himself. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about we were with him. Along with James and John, we were up on the mountain and we saw him. And we heard that voice from heaven that said, this is my son. Listen to him. All Peter could do was build some buildings. And all of a sudden, it got really super quiet. Are you going to listen to my son in whom I am well pleased? Peter says in chapter 1 of 2 Peter, he says we have something more sure than that experience on the mountain. We have the written word of God. My wife and I were at the port yesterday trying to look for family members. That was like looking for a needle in a haystack. There were six billion people down at the waterfront. And we're going, I said to my wife, wife, did they say the beach or did they say the marina? Well, the text says it's the beach. We're in the wrong spot. Uh, there, the marina is over there. And, Little ants crawling all over the, you know, out there. And it was a beautiful day. Any, okay, anybody else down there besides my wife and I? <laughs> we were down there, and it was beautiful. But you know what propels those kites and <laughs> those new sails they have out there? It's the wind. The wind takes it, and off they go. The Word of God says in 2 Peter, no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. But men moved by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, spoken from God. So this book, Peter is saying, is more reliable than that experience on the mountain. 
So if God says he starts something, guess what God will do? He will finish it, people. And we get to be engaged in that process. You know, I'm fortunate I haven't thrown this yet. <laughs> Move my arms here. So it says in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, we need to work out your salvation. Note, not for our salvation, but we get to work it out because it's done. Jesus has done it, and we need to trust him. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you and me, okay, to act according to his good purpose. It's amazing. So here's the, one of the greatest opportunities, and Paul read this passage in Matthew 28, the last few verses. The greatest opportunity for each one of us here, and if you can see the impact of it, be a disciple. A disciple is a follower. Okay, and in this case, we're talking about followers of Jesus. And if we're a disciple, then we encourage others to be what? Disciples. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? Go into all the nations. Notice, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Now go into all the nations and make what? Disciples. And this is how you do it. You baptize them, that assumes they've trusted Christ. You baptize them and you teach them all I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. What a great opportunity. Let's take a look at this. Jesus talks to an entire group of people here in Luke 9, 23. He said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me. Take it up daily and follow me. Denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following me. Your cross will change. When I got saved in 1972, I was a single guy. August 9th of 1975, my wife and I got married. So I'm a husband, my cross changes I have a different responsibility than being a single guy. And then in 1978, God blesses with our first of eight sons, Nathan. So I became a dad. My cross changed. I was single, I'm married, and a husband, and now I'm a dad. And now I'm a grandpa of 15.66 children. One is in the hopper, okay? And Stephen and Rachel are due in October to have their third child. So our crosses change. Do you guys understand that? Our cross changes. Boy, what a different man when you're single. Man, I can play golf every day. Now I play golf with my wife, and it is so much fun. On hole number seven this past week, guys, she put it right next to the pin. I shanked it out to the right, and she whooped me on that hole. But we had so much fun, you guys. It was so much fun sweating together in the heat up there, uh, Leavenworth area, we, Casimir area. Just had so much fun. It's different. Our crosses change. God is with us always. He will never fail us. He will never disappoint us. That song, God is for us. He is so strong for his people, and he wants us to just follow him daily. I'm concerned about what we do tomorrow, Monday. What do you do Tuesday? How about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And then we show up on Sunday. We're good churchians, okay? But my question is, are we disciples? Are we following Christ? The next slide is really a cool slide. How many of you here are morning people? Normally, you get up early. Okay, one, two, three. Okay, Any, no one in this group here. Okay, okay, a couple. Are you really a morning person? He is a morning. No way. How many of you are night people? You'll stay up late. At, oh, my goodness. The back row is full of them. They're, they're snoozing on me right now. How many of you don't know? <laughs> Can I encourage you? to do what this says. I don't care at nighttime, maybe just as you're kind of 
closing out the night. Do what this verse says. If you get up in the morning like I do, this is one of the first things that comes out of my mind. It says, therefore, I urge you, after 11 tremendous chapters of teaching to the church at Rome, the Apostle Paul goes, therefore, in light of what I've just shared, I urge you, note, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So in the morning for me, Father, this is a brand new day. Thank you. I'm just giving my body to you as a living sacrifice. Notice how it's supposed to be done, holy and pleasing to God. Tommy, I think you shared a while ago that you used to set your watch. It would go off at 10 o'clock and you would evaluate, how am I doing on presenting my body as a living sacrifice? I set my watch for every minute, okay? <laughs> you know, I have to have a, I, I need to just evaluate my life. Notice a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Why? Don't miss that last sentence. This is your true and what? Proper worship. You mean when I give my body to God in the morning or at nighttime, I'm worshiping him. The answer is yes. It's your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, okay? Holy and pleasing to God to a Jew they had no idea what a living sacrifice was because they knew what most sacrifices were. They were burnt, they were dead, they were cut to pieces, they were destroyed. The Apostle Paul is sharing something new to both Gentile and Jew. Make sure it's living. Living things can sometimes crawl off the altar. Living, daily, daily presenting your life to God. Now. Notice something unique about the brain. Be transformed, verse 2 of Romans 12, actually comes from a biology term, metamorphosis. That's what the word transformed means. We renew your minds. Don't follow the pattern of the world, but renew your minds. What you hear, what you see, what you think. Your brain can only handle one thought at a time. Now, we have college football coming up. And some of the most exciting players on the football team are linebackers and defensive halfbacks. Do you guys know that? Because you know what they do? They plug holes. At least they try to plug holes. And you and I have to be like a linebacker. You see someone coming through a hole, you plug it. That's how I broke three ribs and ended up in the hospital for a week. I plugged it really well, but to the point, getting real sick. And God used my sickness to bring me to Christ back in the day. But I was a defensive halfback taking care of a linebacker's role. And we plug the hole. So when a thought comes through, grab it. Is that the right thing to think? Romans 13, 14 says, don't even think to gratify the sinful nature of our sin. Don't even think about it. Don't even entertain a thought. Notice this here. When you renew your mind and you're thinking right, then what will God do? He will renew your life. What's our world doing today? How is it thinking? It's using this same process, but there's no, there's no border. There's no guidelines to what's going on in our world. We have the Bible. Let's take it and think how God wants us to think one thought at a time. Now you might look at this. Here's metamorphosis. Here's an egg, a larva, a pupa, and an adult. There are four phases, people. It takes time for metamorphosis and transformation to take place. How many of you are in a hurry most of the time? All right, okay. 17 of you, I counted you that fast, okay. <laughs> You, we are. We're impatient at times, but transformation starts. And what's beautiful is a couple slides from now as we look at it. Here's another picture of metamorphosis. The egg doesn't look like a butterfly, does it? But it has to be an egg first. And then it goes to a larva. 
Okay, what are those called? Caterpillars, right. That caterpillar's not going to be a butterfly. Not on your life. How many of you have been to Burns, Oregon? Oh, good, 40 of you. And uh, I was going to school there to complete my biology degree, and literally, caterpillars about this wide going across the highway, and I'm going, oh, no. I'm going to go... Squish, 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 all four tires, you know, went over these caterpillars, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and you could see my tire tracks. But I, they were so thick, they were migrating. Some of them did not get to the pupa stage, I guarantee you. And from the pupa stage, what do we see? An adult. Time. Metamorphosis takes time. This is the beautiful part, people. This is the beautiful part. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. As we are transformed and our minds are renewed, capturing every thought to the obedience of Jesus, we begin to think different. We begin to talk different. First thing in my life that changed was my mouth when I got saved. I had a young girl by the name of Helen and a friend of hers named Penny that any time I swore, I gave them a quarter and they got a chance to hit me in my left arm or right arm. I want you to know the first couple weeks after getting saved, I was so sore. My shoulders were because they were constantly hitting me. And then I had no money for tuition to afford the next quarter to go back to school. But it was almost that bad. And these two, it's called accountability. You guys know what accountability is? I just said, hey, watch my mouth. It was horrible, they said. And I paid him a quarter for every word that came out of my mouth. Every time. But change in Jesus comes from the inside out. The beauty of transformation. That butterfly, you guys, as we go back to it, isn't it a beautiful creature? But you take a look at that egg and you kind of go, you gotta be kidding me. And then the caterpillar, creepy. And then it's a chrysalis, it hangs on a limb. You, What is that thing hanging on? And then it comes out. Nothing like the egg, larva, or pupa. That's why it's called complete metamorphosis. God wants to change you and me. Well, as it, we change from the inside out, there's going to be an important aspect of growth. And that's what I think Tommy's been talking about. I think I want to encourage you in the Bible. This then says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. Allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life as you walk by faith every day, adding to your faith virtue, adding to the virtue knowledge as you just continue growing in that realm. Well, guess what's going to happen in life? There's going to be times when we blow it. There's going to be times when we sin. Notice what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. When we blow it, we have a responsibility to confess to God. The word confession means I'm agreeing with God that this is wrong. It may mean that you go to someone and you have to say, hey, I'm sorry I, I said that of you. Or you have to go and do something. After playing college football at, uh, in, down in Monmouth, Oregon, uh, a couple of the guys from Hood River that played football down there asked me to come down and speak at a chapel. They had heard I'd become a Christian. So on my way down, does anybody know where Independence in Monmouth is? Independence not too far from Monmouth. So I'm busting down, I, we're going through Independence, and all of a sudden, I see this store. 
and in our 15 passenger van, I make a U-turn right in the middle of that road. I mean, yeah, how many of you ever made a U-turn with a 15 passenger van loaded up with my wife and kids? And my kids are going, oh, oh, what's going on, Dad? Freak, freak out, look out. And my wife was going, what's going on over here? I said, I gotta do something. There was a store on the right-hand side I pulled in front of. I went in and there was only one guy standing at the counter. And I said, um, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. I said, do you have a bottle of cold duck here? He says, you want me to get it for you? I said, no. How much does it cost? It costs $3.50. I said, okay. I pulled a $5 bill out of my wallet and said, here. And I started to walk out. And he goes, hey, what's up? I said, um, I'm paying for something that I took from here. He says, are you a Jesus freak or something? Those were his words, not mine. I said, or something. <laughs> but I want to pay the debt that I confessed. So sometimes in confession, it may be going back to someone. Confession doesn't mean you get a license to sin, people. Confession means, God, I said that again. You're kidding me. Or I did that again. Notice the picture of God here. He is what? Begins with an F. He's faithful, and he's what? Just and he will what? Forgive us our sins and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we're playing this game and not really putting thought into our confession, it's a joke. And the joke is on us, not God. God says, You confess. Confession's beautiful. If we confess our sins to God, people, the Holy Spirit's in us always will be he will never leave us nor forsake us and we ask him to guide us as we continue our growth process i uh, didn't end up in the sand trap this last week playing golf but i have been in sand traps before where you can't get out of them until three or four shots later and you actually have to hit sideways out of some of the sand traps oh that's really fun but all i'm saying if you've ever been in sand sometimes you take a step and you slide back two or three steps. Yeah. Anybody ever experienced that? Only one? Okay, well, you gotta go to the beach more often here. But we in our faith are solid because we are desiring to grow. Confession is gonna be a part of that. It may be owning up to something that you've done to someone, like myself, this store, where I had stolen something. When it was, I realized it, is when I drove past the store. Wrestle with this puppy here. This is the theme of our message today. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yesterday I was out of Lyle, uh, eight miles up, sunny near your place on the opposite side, okay? And... Uh, they were met with some kids that graduated from Baptist Christian School. Lorinda, I wish you'd have been there, it was great. Um, but we met, and one of the kids said, Mr. Stenberg, could you just tell us a little bit about what happened at Rutgers University? I said, and we all sat down at the table, and uh, we were at a national convention through the ACE curriculum that we were using in the school. Uh, we had Tony Hardman, we had uh, Dave Ryan, some of you are Ryan Jews, um, Tom Shepard, Larry Carlson, Rick Shepard. And I was waiting for the payphone to call my wife to tell him about the quartet. The boys had just sang unbelievably. Rick Shepard almost beat the national champion in ping pong. And so we had a variety of things to share. But I was like third in line to get to the phone. I get off the phone so I can call my wife, you know. And so uh, all of a sudden, Rick Shepard and Larry Carlson Literally, people came out of their bedroom, and their eyes were this big around. I go, uh-oh, what's going on? And this is no lie, people. Mr. Stenberg, there's someone in our room. I said, what? 
someone in your room? You guys are the only... No, there's someone in our room. So I said, okay, Tony, Tom, let's go check it out. So the five of us go in, and there was something in the room, people. Tony started getting choked. Tom started crying. And I'm talking tears that were like a faucet. And I just say the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this demon evil person, get out of here. And all of a sudden, Tom dried up. Tony says, I can breathe. And I said, guys, Larry, Rick, what were you guys doing in here? You know, these are junior high boys, high school boys, freshmen, sophomore. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. What was it? What was going on? So they confessed to thinking about things that were inappropriate. And the moment they mentioned them, the spirit came back in. And all of us just said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, leave. And he left. Because there's one power that has defeated Satan people. Do you know who that is? Jesus, people. Why do we have to trust Jesus, people? Because he is the authority in life. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So greater is Jesus who's in you than he that is in the world. The two boys took their mattresses and went to Tom and Tony's room. I went in and got into my room. Dave Ryan was there. And I woke him up. This is 1 in the morning. We had to catch a plane at 5. David and I were up praying for an hour until about 2 in the morning. But I can still remember that. And this picture is true. Jesus has defeated the enemy of our soul. If we're not trusting Jesus, then who are we trusting? Are we trusting ourselves? Thinking that we have the authority and the power to live this Christian life? Not on your life. The passage that Paul read in 2 Peter chapter 1 says, You've been given everything to participate in the divine nature. In the divine nature. A couple more slides and we'll finish. Emmanuel. If we confess, God is faithful. He's just. He'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Emmanuel means what, people? God with is with us he will never leave us nor forsake us ever as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens i had to finish my biology degree over there in Burns when I ran over those caterpillars. And while I was there, this is a, called Malheur Environmental Field Station outside of Burns Fields, out of, up in the Steen Mountains area. And I got there, I had to take a couple classes to finish my biology degree. And when I got there, there were drugs, sex, all kinds of things going on. And I had just left that culture so I wrote my pastor, Pastor Gentry, and I said, Pastor Jim, what do I do? So he wrote back a very encouraging note. He says, Oscar, I want you to begin memorizing Psalm 119. Now that should put a smile on your faces if you know Psalm 119. 176 verses. I go, what? Dr. Jen, what? He said, then I could just see him on the next page. Just start with the first eight or nine. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all of my heart, I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from your commands. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is Jesus worthy, people? 
Is He Worthy? The setting for our closing song, written by Shane and Shane, is, comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 5. The Apostle John, the writer, the Holy Spirit, the author, says the following. He is crying and weeping because there's no one there to break the seal. And John turns and he sees the Lamb. He is worthy of our trust, people. He has done everything necessary for us to participate in the divine nature. The choice is yours and mine. Do I want to mature? Do I want to grow? Do I want to be his disciple? Take it one day at a time. One thought at a time. I want to encourage you to listen to this song as it is sung. Mom, got it? Okay. Oh, I'm. You guys get to perform it, right? I, goof, I goofed up, okay? Can you guys come on up? And I am so goofy on that. These, I was just having so much fun playing with this thing here. So, But this is a, a great song that they're going to sing. Um, the words will be up there. Again, just think of the fact that he is worthy. So worthy. And you'll close in prayer then.